Our scripture text this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Listen for a word from God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, God will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for your word. Pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, we have been telling a lot of stories at our house recently. Our three-year-old, Naima, has this great new game where she gives us some characters and a setting and tells Garrett or I to tell a story, to make it up, and it has to be new. It is a great creative exercise, and it is hard (laughs) and exhausting. Garrett is a writer, a storyteller. He does this, and it's still hard for him. And so every night, every opportunity, Naima will say, okay, tell a story, this, this was it last night, tell a story about a zebra and mommy and daddy and Naima on the beach. Go. We did that story, then we did one about a giraffe, and then we did one about an elephant, and then you just have to tell the story. Now sometimes when we play this game, Naima has said, make it a happy story. Make it only happy. And so in those stories, I'll start, you know, with the characters at the setting, and it kind of falls flat. There's no real plot with the happy-only stories, and she loses interest pretty quickly. And so last night, she was feeling brave, and she said, Dad, tell me a story and make it scary. And so Garrett did a great job of making three-year-old version scary stories, things like an elephant getting a thorn stuck in its foot, and told these great stories that had some kind of obstacle and some kind of resolution. And at the end of these three stories, Naima had this epiphany. And she said, as she squealed with delight, those stories were scary and happy. 
And there was something about it that she was so engaged by. We were eating dinner, and I don't think she took a single bite through this whole experience. Her eyes were wide, and she was just soaking up the story. And there was something she realized to the fact that these stories could be scary and happy. We're in a season, a liturgical season here at the church that is not very happy. The season of Lent is one where we encourage, in some ways, discomfort. And we invite ourselves to repent and reflect on who we really are as we get ready for Easter. And I was thinking about the fact that there are certain Christian traditions and churches and denominations that skip over this season entirely, that don't even mention Lent. They go right from the mountaintop of Christmas to the mountaintop of Easter. And these are some of the same Christians that pressure you into feeling happy all the time, that once you know Jesus, everything is perfect and everything is great in your life and you should be happy all the time. But there's such depth to acknowledging that sometimes life and even this journey of Jesus is scary and happy. I think we miss something if we only tell the Easter resurrection story after the Christmas birth story. It's not how life goes. And we miss the closeness with God if we don't take the long road of Lent. That choral call to worship we did mentions that this is a long journey. These 40 days might feel particularly long this year for some of us. As we make that long journey and acknowledge the difficult parts, the scary parts of this life, of the life of Jesus, then I think we actually have the opportunity to experience even fuller joy with resurrection hope. This first Sunday in Lent, this lectionary brings us the story of the temptation for good reason. In this season, we are called to bring on temptations of our own to repent and pray and give things up or to add things in life that might help us to see God more clearly, might help us to remember that we actually do need God in our everyday lives. For Easter to matter, we have to make our way through the wilderness first. This temptation event this story of wilderness, comes before Jesus begins his actual ministry. It's right after the baptism by John in the River Jordan when the voice of God comes down and says, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. And over the next 40 days, Jesus is in this wilderness land without comfort or care, getting his heart and his mind ready for what lies ahead, spending time with God. And at the end, he's tempted in these three ways, to satisfy hunger, to gain certainty of God, and to gain power on earth. Temptation is something that we are all familiar with. The image of temptation that comes most clearly in my mind comes from our two dogs. We trained them pretty well, and they have one trick that people are most impressed by, which is called leave it. 
and we put some delicious treat right in front of their noses and tell them, leave it, you cannot have it yet. And their poor faces, when we do this trick, embody temptation. (laughs) Their wide eyes glaze over and you just can feel the minds just racing and thinking, oh, can I have it, please, please, please? And if you wait long enough, you can see the drool forming at the side of their mouths. And one of our dogs has learned that the temptation is so great and he has best um, opportunity for success if he actually turns his face away. So if you put the treat right in front of him, he'll go. (laughs) And you can just tell he's trying so hard. One time, poor dogs, Garrett put the treats out in front of them and then forgot and he went to go take a shower and (laughs) came back 30 minutes later. There were pools of drool under both of them, but they had resisted. We were so proud. But we all know that feeling, resisting, it's so hard to resist temptation. And often I think we have a pretty shallow view of what temptation actually is. We think of the one item, but we stop thinking there. We think, yeah, I'm tempted by chocolate or by watching another episode or by buying something when I'm out shopping, but we never really dig to the deeper roots of where that temptation comes from. What are the things that we do or use to feel less vulnerable, less alive? What are the things we do or use to distract ourselves from silence and stillness? What are the things we do or use to distance ourselves from difficult people or situations? I think these are the temptations that get in the way of us living fully into who God has made us to be. And I think sometimes we're blind to temptations of that category or we get so used to thinking of small temptations that we forget to dig down to the roots of what's actually underneath them. I was thinking about some of my own temptations this week. I am sometimes tempted to find my worth in my accomplishments. I am sometimes tempted to feel less vulnerable by over-planning so that I can feel in control of life. I am sometimes tempted to drown out silence by listening to music or podcasts at every waking moment, by scrolling through social media so that I don't have to sit with my own thoughts and feelings for too long. I am sometimes tempted to jump to a joke, to break an awkward silence instead of just sitting with people, particularly in difficult times. What are you tempted by, and why? Categorically, I think we all suffer from the same three temptations that we see Jesus experience in the wilderness. One, to satisfy some kind of hunger or appetite. And have many, as many have pointed out, this isn't about the bread alone. This is about satisfying a hunger We're always hungry again after we eat. But what is it about the appetite that we're supposed to learn from? Second, we're all tempted by certainty sometimes, by knowing for sure. We wish that God would boom out in a loud voice for us exactly which direction to go. We want to know something for certain. 
and three, we're all tempted by some kind of power or accomplishment. These are signs of being human, so much so that scholars have pointed out these three temptations are exactly what the people of God experience in the desert as Moses is leading them through the wilderness for 40 years. A temptation to fulfill their hunger when God provides manna in the desert. A temptation to be certain when the people are gathered and they say, how can we be sure God is with us or not? Let's put God to the test about providing water for us. And then the temptation to bow down to idols to have some kind of earthly power. A God you can touch and put your hands on. This text wants us to know that even Jesus experienced these temptations. This wasn't just a symbolic nod to temptation. I love the way it was pointed out in the story with the kids. Jesus wondered each time, should I do that? These types of temptations are so rooted in humanity. It's what the people of God experienced in the desert with Moses. It's what Jesus experienced in the wilderness. It's what we still experience today. So it isn't so much about avoiding temptation. It's about knowing how to respond when it comes. Ultimately, this experience of Jesus in the wilderness wasn't just a test for him to give a right or wrong answer to. It was an opportunity for him to demonstrate whether or not he believed what was just spoken about him at his baptism. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. The wilderness temptation for Jesus was an opportunity to exercise that muscle of his identity, to live into it over and over and over again before his ministry could start. And I don't think we would have heard about the legacy of Jesus had he not had this experience of living into that identity before he began. So at the start of Lent, we are reminded that we are also connected to Jesus in our experience of temptation and also in our belovedness, in our identity as children of God as beloved children of God. So many of us grew up in traditions where we gave something up for Lent. Some of you were sharing stories with me earlier about things that you were forced to give up as children. And since then, maybe you have continued that practice, maybe not. Some of the most common things people give up for Lent are chocolate, social media, alcohol, coffee, uh, shopping, gossip, things like that. And other people choose to take on practices, to do something um, extra, to write letters to someone or to spend 20 minutes a day reading the Bible. If you have not thought of a Lenten practice that might be meaningful, I encourage you to do so. It's not too late. You're allowed to start, even though technically Lent began on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. The idea with giving something up or taking something on is to provide ourselves these moments of temptation where we acknowledge that we actually have a need for God. And to remember that those small temptations are actually just a placeholder for our deeper desires that God has given us, for connection, for love, for f fulfillment, for safety. 
In Lent, we're able to recognize those moments and redirect that energy. Recognize the things that we might do or use to feel less vulnerable, less alive, and instead point that energy to God. And recognizing what our true temptations are is only half the battle. Once we recognize it, as Jesus does, he has to confront it with the word of God. But I want you to notice something. I think some people look at this story and they say, ah, okay, so the key is memorizing scripture. The more I can memorize, the more memory verses we can give our kids, the better off we will be, and we can throw those at the tempter and get on with our lives. But it goes so much deeper than that. Because if you notice in the story, the devil is also quoting scripture throughout. The difference is that Jesus has embodied these words of scripture so much and connected his identity to them. He knows who he is as the beloved child of God, and that's what makes the difference. Simply memorizing scripture isn't enough. It has to seep into your soul and speak to who you are. In the end of this story, the angels come and tend to Jesus. Pastor Garrett mentioned a couple of weeks ago this word that is used in their care for him is the same word that was used with Peter's mother-in-law, that she was able to care for the guests after she is healed. It's the word where we get our current word, deacon. These messengers of God come and they care for and they nurture Jesus. Even Jesus received care on earth. Life and Lent are a long journey. So this Lenten season, I invite you individually and I invite us as a community to recognize the ways that we are tempted. I invite you to engage in some kind of practice that's meaning for you. And in those moments of little temptation, to dig a little deeper and redirect that energy when you feel it. I encourage you to dwell in scripture long enough to not just memorize a verse, but to let the meaning seep into your soul. And remember that the most important truth this Lent is that you are a beloved child of God. So when the story gets scary, know that you are not alone. Would you pray with me? God of hope, in the happy and in the scary, be with us. As we journey toward Easter together, help us to engage in meaningful practices where we can direct our energy to you. And remember that we, too, are your beloved children. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.